There was another shooting this morning in California. Another family was ripped apart by divorce last night. Another family went to bed in America without talking to each other. There was a shooting in Chicago last night. Last night, there were thousands of homeless in L.A. A teenager took his life last night. One will take her life this morning and this afternoon. And another one will take their life tonight. Countless students were bullied yesterday at school, and they will be today. A young girl will be approached by traffickers at the Mall of America this week, just like my daughter was when she was a sophomore here at North Central. Shootings persist in the U.S., even in the face of gun control, legislation, parental protest, and now student and peer activism. A flood of fires or tornadoes in Texas or California. An earthquake hits Florida. 82 of the 163 churches in a district are damaged. 39 of them closed for worship. 11 are destroyed and will need to be rebuilt. Thousands of parishioners have yet to be back in church after five weeks. Government redefines marriage in the family. Government is divided through partisan politics that have set Washington ablaze in anger and disunity as elected adults who are supposed to lead us drop their mantle of authority and dignity. The lack of censorship in the media has birthed unrighteousness, selfishness, narcissism, anger, and dissension. Cynics own social media, and screenagers live in a fake intraworld between their fingers that has isolated them from reality. Hollywood and marketing and advertisers have molded a life of wealth, makeup, and body shaming that has disillusioned a generation with unattainable happiness. In the midst of all of this, the church has lost its platform and its influence in America by creating a kingdom of weakness through minoring in theology and majoring in meology. And because of this, a spiritual vacuum has borne a nation and a world of post-Christian thought and living that has created every problem that we have in society today. In 1963, the year that I was born, the top problems cited in school were chewing gum, talking in class, and cutting in line. Today, the top problems in our schools are chewing teachers out, walking out of class, and students cutting themselves. The headlines from a major newspaper read, Economy crashes again. Violence erupts in the streets. The housing market is upside down. Government corruption scandal. And those headlines were from 1895. Let me tell you something. God is not intimidated by darkness. 
God is not intimidated by what's going on in culture, but he is disappointed in his children. I know, I know the tension when I make that statement. God loves you. God loves you so much. God, God is jealous for you, but he's so disappointed in our response to his grace and mercy. I don't know about you, but this matters to me. This life, I don't want to waste it. God is not intimidated by darkness. In fact, he does his greatest work in the midst of our greatest need. When things look the worst, that's when God does his best. Go back to Genesis 1, right? And the earth was formless and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, and the Holy Spirit began to brood over the face of the deep, and he began to execute. See, God executes out of darkness better than most of us execute in this light. So God is not intimidated by this. Hear me. In Matthew chapter 6, the disciples are around Jesus, and they ask him this simple question. Lord, how do we pray? Think about this. These disciples just walked with Jesus. For around 30 years, they're watching his life. They've seen the miracles. They've seen the stories. They've heard the teaching. They've watched him pray. And in this moment in their life, the thing that mattered to them most was not, God, teach us how to do miracles. The thing that mattered to them most was not, God, you tell a story. And nobody tells a story like you tell a story. Show us how to tell parables. That, that one time in, in the temple when you just, all you did is told the guy, raise your hand, right? The man with the crippled hand. He raised his hand. You didn't even say a word. And when he raised his hand, it came to life. And we're like, oh, dang. Show us how to, uh-uh. They saw him worship. Luke chapter 10, phenomenal moment when they come home doing all of these things for the kingdom. And Jesus dances before them in praise as they're sharing their stories of what had just happened out on the streets. Because see, most of us come to church to serve God. Most of us like coming to church, but we don't like being the church. And so what happens is we become professional here, right? Do you understand more miracles happened outside of the temple in the Bible? Do you understand that? More miracles happened in the marketplace and in the streets than happened at the altars. And we've got it flipped in the, in the, in the West. Here in America, we come to church to see God move. God doesn't want us to come to church to see him move. God wants us to come to church moving already. Listen, some of us come here to worship when we should be coming here worshiping. Right? And so this lifestyle, these people walked with him. And out of all of that, it's not his leaping in the air. 
and praising outrageously in front of them. It's not the miracles. It's not the teachings and the story. It's none of that. They're with him and they say this. Teach us to pray. Matthew 6 is an instruction to us on several areas. When you give, when you pray, when you fast. I'm not going to take the time to read all of that, except for this dialogue when they ask Jesus, show us how to do that. We've seen all the other stuff, but show us how to do what. The one thing that impacted them the most was not his miracles. I mean, think about that. It wasn't the miracles. It wasn't even the, the great teachings. The thing that impacted them the most is the fact that when he was in the garden, right, when he was at home, when he went into the mountains, when he went down to the beach, when he was in a boat, the way he prayed. I believe the reason why they asked him this was because it was the thing that impacted them the most from his life. And so Jesus says to them, and when you pray, not, right, not a suggestion, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets. Listen to me, some of the greatest moments of prayer in my life, nobody, nobody experienced it except for me. Not in a corporate concert of prayer, not in a camp, not in a convention. I'm telling you, my two, the two greatest moments of my spiritual life, nobody witnessed except for me. And I'll never forget it. Because that was spiritual formation that wasn't played out because of a band or a speaker or my buddy praying with me. It was simply his presence. Hear me, I've learned this. The only people that don't pray are people that don't know God. Well, at the very beginning, they pray out to him, don't they, right? God, help, right? And then when he doesn't help, they blame him after. But hear me. I want you to hear what I'm saying. The only people that don't know how to pray are people that don't know God. Because once you get to know him, it's contagious. You got that friend? You got that friend, right? Dude, your name? Elena, dude, if we're friends, I can't wait to get up and talk to you. And you are the same. You text me when you first got, you, did you text a friend this morning already? You didn't. Oh, wait, yeah, I did. Okay, hold it. She goes, yeah, wait, wait, I did, I did. What was her name? His name. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, you want to talk about it. Listen, when I have a friend, I can't wait to talk to them. We don't want to go there. Sorry, live. This is live, right? You never know what's going to happen live. Listen, you can't wait to speak to that person. You know what I'm talking about. You, you woke up thinking about them. When is the last time you woke up and texted? Oh, so when is the last time you woke up and texted God? When is the last? I know that sounds silly, doesn't it? That sounds, that sounds like middle school. I'm telling you the truth. I woke up this morning praying in the spirit. I went to bed last night praying in the spirit. I've done it for 16 years. My wife and I made it a commitment for 16 years that the last thing I said every night would be mumbling and groaning in the spirit. And the first thing, normally that's what we do anyway, hello. 
Especially if you're a guy. How you doing? Right? Hear, hear me. I'm not playing with that. You know, I'm not playing with that. It's just, just for real. It's right. I mean, you're talking LOL and BRB anyway. Throw it all together and you're about there. You just need the Holy Spirit after that. And he says, in this manner, therefore, then you should pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. This is the perfect setup for God. Because God loves terror, death, storm, loss, worry, and trouble. He's so at home in the midst of that. And you walked in here today feeling some of that. You came in here today feeling some of that. Let me tell you something. God is a present help in time of need. But we have to call upon him. God's not a cosmic bellhop, some genie in the sky, and all we do is ding-a-ling-a-ling, and he shows up with a thing. That's not God. I mean, I believe he'll be there if you need him, but hear me. God doesn't play peekaboo. He's either there or he's not. You know what I'm saying? He's not just playing a little character. Come on, if you, if you will, then I will. That's not, God doesn't love us conditionally. We love him conditionally. If you will, then I will, right? L- listen. Terror, death, storm, loss, worry, trouble. You heard it in the song. I've been praying this over you for two weeks. Those, those words right there, can we hit that screen there? Those were, I've been praying this over you for two weeks. I love you. I want to meet you. I don't know who you are, but. Listen, when you give, when you pray, when you fast, spiritual disciplines, when, right? When, hear me, there's an answer to everything that's going on, right? Woke up this morning, praying in the spirit, turn on the news and the shooting. There's an answer for it. We are God's answer. God doesn't have a second son. You know what I'm saying? God doesn't have oops sales where it's like, well, society's out of control. I better have another one. No, let me tell you something. We are God's plan. God doesn't have another plan. God doesn't have another plan. We are God's plan. And if you look at the person next to you, that could either be encouraging or discouraging. Because this is it. This is all we got. This is all he's got right here. Aren't you glad? I am. See, there's an answer. Because the only thing that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them was how to pray. Why prayer? Because it was the one thing that impacted them the most. Right now, see you at the poll. A movement started by a, by a middle school girl in Texas 27 years ago. A middle school girl in Texas 27 years ago. Wakes up on a Tuesday night. Goes to her landline, call landline, landline, calls her friend and says, Becky, Becky, God spoke to me. We're supposed to go pray at our school flagpole. 
And so her friend's like, oh, yeah, let's go. And they go back to sleep, right? And they wake up, and it's pouring down rain. And she calls her friend, Becky, I'm getting ready to go. I'll meet you. And and Becky says, my mom won't let me go because it's raining. And so she goes downstairs, and she sees her friend. Listen to me. She sees, listen to me, Linda. Linda, listen to me, Linda. (laughs) She sees her friend, and right, her, her mom downstairs. And her mom says this, simple. Her mom says, Honey, you're not going. It's raining. You can pray right here. And she takes her backpack, puts it on her shoulder, and she says this. Mom, if you don't take me, I'll walk in the rain. And she began the first see you at the pole right outside of Dallas. It was eight months later that 19,000 people filled Dallas Reunion Arena because a middle school girl had one dream, and that's to pray and start a movement. So don't tell me that prayer doesn't work. This fall, 7.5 million students prayed globally on See You at the Pole just two months ago. I haven't missed one yet. Well, I wasn't there at the first one. (laughs) But I I haven't missed See You at the Pole since. Not on the day before my wife passed. When my daughter comes to me and says, Daddy, I know you always go to see at the pole, and I know you want to be here for Mommy. But she took work off. She came home Tuesday night and said, Dad, you're going to see at the pole because we know how important that is for you as a family. And I woke up early that morning, and my daughter was already there on Wednesday morning at the side of my wife. And I went off to see at the pole and came back because I believe in the dreams of middle school girls who start a movement out of obedience. They say right now today there are 1,200 prayer meetings every day in America, all over this nation. 1,200 prayer meetings, 24-7 prayer meetings that go on all the time. I know we talk about prayer all the time, but it's not enough to talk about it. I mean, I want to inspire you to pray, but I have to instruct you to pray. I'm about to. Thank you. Do not get quiet in here. Listen, we hear it all the time in youth ministry, and I know half of this room are teenagers, so please let me go there. Don't grow up. Please don't grow up. I was talking to some of you in the hallway yesterday, right? You know know my, my, my people. Don't grow up. Please don't grow up. Because everybody who's young wants to grow up and everybody who's old wants to get young again. So just stay here. (laughs) I know that we inspire you all the time. We say, you got to pray. But if we don't show you how, it's not fair. Jesus just didn't tell them to pray. He said, here's how you do it. We understand the theology of prayer, but what about the practicality of prayer? Listen, do you understand that your generation right now This generation, the mill and the Gen Z set, you are the only generation living in America who hasn't seen a spiritual awakening. It's true. You can go back, you can go walk and walk right through it from here back, 25 years at least, right around there, was the last, to me, it was a regional, a local movement down in Florida, the Brownsville outpouring, 1995, Father's Day, right? 25, whatever, that years ago. And most of you in this room weren't even born yet. You might have heard about that, but, and that really was a nation shaking, okay? 
And then you'd have to back up to the charismatic revival, right, and the renewal there. And that was significant, but it was church-wide. The last significant movement of the kingdom of God in America took place in the Jesus movement. It shaped government. It shaped the private sector. It shook the church. I was born in San Francisco. I went to the Cow Palace in middle school, in elementary and middle school, and saw this huge outdoor arena filled with preachers from all over the world. And then you'd have to back up all the way to the, uh, the 19th century, uh, the, the beginning of the 20th century that really started our movement, the Azusa Street outpouring. And then you'd have to go back to the second great awakening and the first great awakening. And the, listen, you are the only generation, the Gen Z and the Millsat, who don't understand what awakenings mean. You've heard about it, but you've never seen it. And I know what you're thinking, oh, well, yeah, my, man, my youth group was lit, <laughs> and my church is lit, and I had this great experience at camp, and wow, convention was, <laughs> right? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a pause in society where, where not just religion, but theology and a movement of the Holy Spirit took over. You haven't seen it. And there's a reason, because your predecessors birthed it in prayer. And you've been relying on our flesh. We are never going to see, hear me, we are never going to see an awakening in America if we continue to be creative about it. Or build new buildings. Or add service times. Or put the pastor in jeans and not a suit or change the bulletin format, that's not going to bring an awakening. An awakening begins in private on your knees. One of the most detestable things that I hear often, personally that I hear often about prayer is, well, if you pray in private, God will promote you in public. Let me tell you something, that's not the point of prayer. The point of prayer is not promotion. And now it may happen and God may reveal things to you. But the point of prayer is not for me to get promoted. The point of prayer is me to know God. Okay, I got to teach you. I've been st- I'm done screaming at you, okay? There are cards across the front of this place, up in the balcony. We have 600, but I don't know if we have enough. I want to put that last screen up. And I want to teach you to pray because I can inspire you, but if we don't instruct you, it's not going to work. This is probably not the shout time and the exciting time. But I want to ask you to do something. I want you to stand across this place And if you can, make your way up here and grab one of these cards. There are pens and pencils up here. I'm going to ask you, um, will, will you let others in or grab the cards and hand them behind you because I know it's, it's going to be very difficult. There's like no way to do this. We could have put them on the seats, but I want you to move. <laughs> if you're in the balcony, there's some there. Pass them back. 
I want you to write these out. I could have printed them out for you, but I don't want to. In these next 20 minutes, I want to take you through 10 of these concepts. I'm going to spend like a minute on each one. Hear me. Some of you have been trying a natural solution for your spiritual issue that you're going through. And it's not going to work. It's not going to work. You've been trying a natural solution to your spiritual issue. It's, it's not going to work. Listen, if you're grabbing a card and you pass those out to your friends, you don't have to go sit down. You know, you, know, you can come just get on your knees right here because we're going to start the worship in a moment too. Let me take you through this, how to pray. Number one, we pray to know, not to get. We pray to know, not to get. That's got to be a shift. Number two, we pray to listen, not always speak. Doesn't that take the pressure off that, that we don't have to speak? I know that's important, but hear me. If you don't know how to pray, that's okay. Listen. Because if you'll listen, then God will be able to speak to you. That takes pressure off, doesn't it, to know that all I got to do is listen. Some of you, listen, you, you haven't listened in days. Because you're plugged in, you're always plugged in, and you can't stop. You can't stop. Three, pray with others. Do that right now. Put your hand on the person next to you and pray for them. Just a 10-second prayer. Do that and receive that from them. Number four, pray the scriptures. Wow. Listen, there is so much in scripture. Hear me. The greatest teacher to prayer is the knowledge of God. Did you hear me? The greatest teacher to prayer is the knowledge of God. Because hear me, faith comes by hearing. And if you want to be a person of prayer, you just can't, you just can't read the newspaper. I mean, that, that incites me because I've already read the word. But you can't just listen to Twitter feed and start praying over that stuff. And, and, and I, I do that. That's, I've redeemed my social media, Right? But this, if you want to learn how to pray, read, pray the scriptures because they will instruct you the perfect kind of prayers. Five, pray everywhere. He, listen, this is really important. Last night, I left here and I'm walking home. And as in my 21-minute walk home, I prayed for every youth group I could think of here in the Twin Cities that God would just pour a spirit out upon them. And listen, in that moment, I turned the streets into a prayer room. Listen, some of you need to turn your bedroom into a prayer room. You know what I'm talking about. Because not everything that goes on in your bedroom is godly. And if you could turn your dorm room into a prayer room, you wouldn't even recognize yourself in a month. If you could turn that Bluetooth on every morning you get up to worship and every night you go back down, right, and you're worshiping. If you could get rid of that stuff that's in your room. If you could just transform your bedroom into a prayer room, you wouldn't even recognize yourself. Number six, not only should we pray everywhere, but we should pray somewhere. Let me be specific. For 16 years, hear me, for 16 years I've prayed at 11 p.m. to 1 a.m., the first hour of the day 
in the last hour of the day are God's. I'm a night owl, so that's why. I'm not a four o'clock prayer like some of you here or five o'clock prayer like some of you here. I don't function until after class at now. But I gave God two hours of my day. Sometimes it's reading. Sometimes it's all work. Last night, I sat in my chair at about 11.10 when the game got over, the disappointing game, and I sat there and I turned it up. I turned it up loud and I wept for you. To know God in such a way that would draw you contagiously to prayer. So you gotta set, you gotta set a time. You gotta set a time. Don't just think, well, I'll pray when I feel like it. You're not gonna feel like it until a crisis hits. Or maybe chapel time. Listen, this is not your prayer time. I mean, this is part of it. Yeah, hello. You gotta set a time. Give me two minutes. Give me two minutes when you wake up in two minutes. Seven, pray the classics. Hear me, hear me. The lessons we can learn from the depth of men and women who have gone before us, Moody, Bounds, Merton, Foster, Wilkerson, Hyde, Wigglesworth, Coleman, Mother Teresa, etc. Billy Graham's readings. Listen, learn from the classics. Because most of us, hear me, most of us have leadership books on our desk and we're studying leadership from people who are modern day writers. Do you know where they learned all of that? The classics. We got to stop worrying about systems and structures and building the team and start worrying about spiritual disciplines and my personal life. That will grow a ministry. Pray in the spirit. Number eight. Pray in the Spirit. Most of us pray in the Father, and we pray in the Son. But we forget the Trinity in prayer. When you don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit, Paul says, gives you words, groanings, too deep for words, so stop trying to make up words, and just groan. Ball game, score, oh! Right? Groan. Simply say nothing. Nine, prayer and worship. Inseparable, I think, because once you pray, then all of a sudden the knowledge of God, the nature and the character of God begins to come out, and you just can't stop but to worship which we're going to do in a moment. We're going to bring this, we're going to bring this stallion. They're going to play the video, okay? They're going to play the video without sound while we play this. And this stallion of, of prayers is going to come flooding into your situation. Last, pray persistently. Listen, don't quit. I've learned this. The more you pray, the more you pray. I'm a genius. The more you pray, the more you pray. Because it becomes viral. This momentum builds up because it's like, God, you, I may not have gotten what I prayed for, but I got you. Holy Spirit, would you begin to teach us and instruct us how to pray? Right now, would you begin to teach us and instruct? Would you ride into our lives right now? Would you ride into the terror? Would you ride into the fear when day breeds darkness? 
When day breeds terror, would you walk in right now in these next few minutes? Would you walk into, a, into this place right now and teach us, instruct us how to pray? Teach us how to pray. In these next few minutes, I just want you to walk through some of those things. I want you to walk. Listen, turn this whole room into a prayer room. I want you to go move over and, and pray for somebody next to you, right? And then move on and pray for some. Get on your face. Whatever you got to do, turn this place into a prayer room right now.
How many need healing? How many need healing in the room? You need healing in the room. Physical, emotional, relational. Raise your hand if you need healing in the room. Raise it up high. Turn around. Will you go to them right now? I want three or four people to move to them right now. Balconies, several. Man, oh man, so many over there. So we need people to move right now. Come on. Come on. Look around you. Begin to pray right now. Begin to pray for healing right now. Just be led by the Spirit right now. Holy Spirit. Come on. If you're not praying with someone, will you pray for them? If you're not praying with someone, pray for them right now. Come on. Come on. Be whole. Be whole. Come on, believe it. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. No cynics. Believe it. If you're being prayed for, will you check it? Will you breathe? Will you shake your head? Will you move your arm? Will you move your leg? Right? Come on. Is AJ in the room? Is AJ in the room? Wave at me if AJ is in the room. AJ, basketball player. Is AJ in the room? I want you to begin to pray for him right now. Over here? Good. Make sure you're praying for him right now. I'm believing God. I started praying yesterday that God will heal his knee right now. Come on. Begin to move that, AJ. We got to give God a chance, right? Oftentimes, Jesus instructed people to get up. Go tell somebody. Will you do that right now? Those of you that are being prayed for, test it. Try it. Move it. Stretch it. Breathe. Shake the, the, the headache away, right? Walk it out. Let me build your faith. This summer, this summer outside of Louisville, we were praying for an athlete who had uh, hurt their ankle before camp, came in with a, with a brace on, the whole thing. And one of the nights, five or six of their friends, of his friends, just walked him back and forth while he was limping, right, with crutches for almost an hour. It was almost an hour that they walked him back and forth, and nothing happened. And it was 70 minutes later, and nothing happened. And then all of a sudden, you hear this roar, and so I called the nurse over because I wanted to make sure, right, in this litigious society. We called her over. I said, hey, would you just walk with him and make sure? He had thrown the crutches out, and now he's jumping up and down just like dance and running through the place. Listen, hear me. It didn't happen the first time. It didn't happen the second time. It didn't happen the third. It didn't happen the fourth. It took over 70 minutes for that young man to be healed. It wasn't adrenaline because the next day he was out on the field running around playing frisbee with us. Let me tell you something. Sometimes snowflakes need to pray one more time. Hello. Just because you didn't get what you wanted, you still got what you got. That's God. Hello. So you got to keep praying because Jesus said, ask, and then ask again. 
And then ask, keep on asking. Keep on knocking. Keep on seeking. Yeah, he could do it the first time. I know he could. And so do you. You've seen it. But sometimes he's teaching us while we're asking. Not ask. Not ask. Asking. How many experienced a healing in your life? Anyone this morning? God heal you. Several hands. Beautiful. Make sure you tell somebody. Right? Make sure you tell somebody. Wait, look at, look around, wave if you feel like God touched you and healed you this morning. Now, lion, right? Praise him. Listen, we got to give the Holy Spirit a chance. You got to give the Holy Spirit a chance. Spirit of God, where your students train us. Train us that when fear comes and darkness comes, our response is invitation. Our response is to ask you to involve you in our mess. There'll be leaders here that will pray with you. Anyone that needs prayer will be up here, right? Pray with each other. The saints can pray for each other. Amen. But there'll be leaders here if you need it also. Just enjoy his presence the next few minutes as this team leads us. Don't rush off. Oh, let me say something. One thing the Holy Spirit told me about a week ago is that we leave this room way too quickly. Hear me. I know some of us have meetings. I get that. This is not a judgment on those who just left. But hear me. We cannot hear the incredible words that have been given in this place and not respond to them. Or what happens is we become callous and we say things like, whoa, wow. That was great, but we never do anything with it. Do you understand what I'm saying? I think you do. We're really good at this because we have so many opportunities, class or whatever. Listen, respond. Even if it's, when I was here, I was here a few years ago, I used to go right down here every single message, even if nobody else came forward, because I started that in college. When I was a junior in college, the Holy Spirit said to me, I want you to go down and answer every altar call. It doesn't matter what they talk about. And I did it for two years. So I'm just telling you, don't get callous in your response. Even if it's a minute, just respond. Always respond when the Holy Spirit speaks. Amen? Amen. Bless you. If you need prayer, we're here.